Hello and welcome. We notice a change in the sound, in the recording quality of the audio. Um, I'm back on using my plug-in mic for my phone. It's a very simple, small microphone. I finally noticed that <laughs> there's been a lot of white noise on my previous episodes. And for some reason, when I, uh, I don't often listen back to what I record, sometimes I dip into it just to make sure it did record. But I managed to miss all of the white noise each of each time I did. So I thought it would be better to record on on this. The sound may be slightly quieter, so you may have to turn the volume up, but perhaps that's preferable than the white noise in the background. So I didn't have the energy to play around with settings and try and figure out where the white noise was coming from. So I may try and do that at some point or I may just stay on <laughs> stay on this as well. Part of me has missed recording on this because it seems it's so much easier to record on this microphone. I can be anywhere and just simply plug in the small wire and off I go recording. It does seem more personable and more authentic as well as I'm not at a desk with a microphone stand and a laptop. I'm just simply sitting on my sofa, my uh, phone in my lap, and the microphone clipped to my, to my sweater, and it does feel more freeing, so maybe there's the possibility of continuing in this way. As I said before, as long as the sound is clear, it can be heard, even if, you know, you have to turn the volume up, that's that's fine too. So I thought I would ask the question of how are you doing? It's a question we're often asked almost every day. Coming down the stairs for the first person you see, they may ask, How are you? How did you sleep? How is it going? Various other ways of communicating this, but I've always found that question quite triggering. It's triggered a lot of pain, a lot of stress even, 
and I'm asked that question, there is the what answer do they want from me? Do they want the truth? Do they want just to be polite? Sometimes it can be that, you know, the how are you is just another way of almost saying hello. And if you were to, you know, divulge more into your evening or your how you slept, maybe they don't want to hear that, maybe they do. But I find as I've been going on this journey, I call it a journey, but it's it's not a journey in regards to distance, but a deepening, a deepening into the now of no distance. I've noticed that with this question, it's not all all going on in the mind when someone asks how you are. I check in with the now. And usually the answer is, oh, it's fine, it's okay. Um, maybe you'll see some changes in that area as well. So we're so conditioned with the mind, so when that question's asked, we almost give it to the mind and and it's an almost an autopilot, like yes, I'm good, I'm fine, but there's no checking in really with how you are. And we don't always have to go into detail, but can is there space for transparency? You know, if you're going through a very difficult, if you've had a difficult morning and someone asks how you are, do you always have to say, I'm fine, I'm okay? Or is it possible to even say, it's been a difficult night, but I'm okay. In this moment, I'm okay. I feel all of these small things are naturally being questioned as we, as we be, become more living in the present less of our conditioning makes sense. Even something as subtle as how are you doing? Because there'll be spaciousness around that question now. It won't just be an automatic response and then you automatically go about your day and then wonder how you got to work and wonder where the last two hours went. It's going to be very, it's going to be more awareness in, in the now. And these things will come up as well. So I wanted to ask you, how are you doing? To see what comes up for you when that question is answered, that question is asked. For me, this still pain that comes up from that stress of how do I answer that and then the other half of the time there is clarity there and there is almost a sense of connection to 
sharing the truth of how you are in this moment. various other scenarios such as especially conversations interactions with people there'll be a noticing of space around what somebody is saying previous conditioning may attack what somebody is saying may disagree in the mind you're listening to somebody talking and in the mind there is chatter, there is, oh, I don't agree with that. Or, why do they keep going on about this? They, they mentioned it yesterday and here we are again. Or perhaps you're composing a reply. You're waiting for that, you know, that moment of pause where you can quickly get in a intelligent remark you have to say about this. Or a story that's attached to what they're saying. Oh yes, this will this will make them laugh. You know, this will impress them. I can yeah, and I need to wait for them to stop talking and I can quickly give them what I want to say. Maybe there'll be more spaciousness around that so when they are talking there is awareness of the listening. And if a response arises that's you're aware of that too, you allow it to arise and allow it to be, there is no pushing it down. So are there certain areas of your life, no matter how subtle, where change is happening or an uncovering is happening with that as well, you're removing something. Uh, is there a noticing of things being removed, conditioning being removed? Even as simple as sitting down at breakfast. There is no scrolling through your phone. There is no eating the breakfast as fast as you can while watching, consuming something. Is there now some spaciousness there as you lift the spoon with the cereal? Bite into your toast. Is it a means to an end or is it itself the end, the movements you're making? Hopefully these subtleties will become more prevalent for you. So, you can take a moment to acknowledge, acknowledge the now. Letting go of thoughts, even letting go of what has just been said.
Just be aware of the signs. Here they are, there are birds chirping outside my window. The old car passing by. you can relax the body even more. And you sink into the chair you're sitting on even more. And feel your body supported. Or if you're walking, can your feet feel even more connected to the ground? This moment is not a concept, when we're not being in some ways, we're not doing in this moment. It's not just we're going to be present for a minute or two and then go back to what we were doing. We are, this is the essence of, of who we are. Because the mind can even come into this here. Okay, we're just going to be present for a moment. And being present can also become a concept. The mind can, can make anything into thought. There is only this. Just feeling the lightness 
spaciousness of now. It's got me thinking whether to do another 10 days of meditation. Um, if that's something that you've done before on my previous episodes when I've done that and if that's something you would like me to do then feel free to let me know there are in the YouTube comments or on Twitter as well that's something that I can return to and for those who have not listened to those episodes it's it's just simply 10 days where each each day we, we together will be present for 10 or 20 minutes, depending on on the length. But it's just a moment for us all to, to be present together. And I try to make it as flexible as possible, so there are no... Uh, rules or techniques you can do as you please as long as there's the connect connection to the present moment so you can sit stand you can become aware and watch your breathing you can become aware of the inner body or you can just simply observe witness to silence the stillness that you are inviting. And I'm sure this will be a great benefit to me as well to commit to 10 days of each day there'll be a short sitting meditation session as well as you know being present throughout our day this can almost be a, almost a lift a boost whenever it's listened to it's almost a small immersion <laughs> even a you can even say a mini retreat even 10 minutes of deepening into the present moment can feel like a mini retreat just going to open the miracle of mindfulness that we have been reading together and we have reached Chapter 5 And the title of this passage is One is all, all is one The five aggregates Let me devote 
a few lines here to talk about the methods you might use in order to arrive at liberation from narrow views and to obtain fearlessness and great compassion. These are the contemplations on interdependence, impermanency and compassion. While you sit in meditation, after having taken hold of your mind, you can direct your concentration to contemplate on the interdependent nature of certain objects. This meditation is not a discursive reflection on a philosophy of interdependence. It is a penetration of mind into mind itself, using one's concentrative power to reveal the real nature of the object being contemplated. Recall a simple and ancient truth. The subject of knowledge cannot exist independently from the object of knowledge. To see is to see something. To hear is to hear something. To be angry is to be angry over something. Hope is hope for something. Thinking is thinking about something. When the object of knowledge, the something, is not present, there can be no subject of knowledge. The practitioner meditates on mind and by, do, and by so doing is able to see the interdependence of the subject of knowledge and the object of knowledge. When we practice mindfulness of breath, then the knowledge of breath is mind. When we practice mindfulness of the body, then the knowledge of body is mind. When we practice mindfulness of objects outside ourselves, then the knowledge of these objects is also mind. Therefore, the contemplation of the nature of interdependence of all objects is also the contemplation of the mind. Every object of the mind is itself mind. In Buddhism, we call the objects of mind the dharmas. Dharmas are usually grouped into five categories. One, bodily and physical forms, two, feelings, three, perceptions, four, mental functionings, and five, consciousness. These five categories are also called the five aggregates. The fifth category, consciousness, however, contains all the other categories and is the basis of their existence. Contemplation on interdependence is a deep looking into all dharmas, 
in order to pierce through to their real nature, in order to see them as part of the great body of reality. And in order to see that the great body of reality is indivisible, it cannot be cut into pieces with separate existences of their own. The first object of contemplation is our own person, the assembly of the five aggregates in ourselves. You contemplate right here and now on the five aggregates which make up yourself. You are conscious of the presence of bodily form, feeling, perception, mental functionings and consciousness. You observe these objects until you see that each of them has intimate connection with the world outside yourself. If the world did not exist, then the assembly of the five aggregates could not exist either. Consider the example of a table. The table's existence is possible due to the existence of things which we might call the non-table world, the forest where the wood grew and was cut, the carpenter, the iron ore which became the nails and screws, and countless other things which have relation to the table, the parents and ancestors of the carpenter, the sun and rain which made it possible for the trees to grow. If you grasp the table's reality, then you see that in the table itself are present all those things which we normally think of as the non-table world. If you took away any of those non-table elements and returned them to their sources, the nails back to the iron ore, the wood to the forest, the carpenter to his parents, the table would no longer exist. A person who looks at the table and can see the universe is a person who can see the way. You meditate on the assembly of the five aggregates in yourself in the same manner. You meditate on them until you are able to see the presence of the reality of oneness in your own self and can see that your own life and the life of the universe are one. If the five aggregates return to their sources, the self no longer exists. Each second the world nourishes the five aggregates. The self is no different from the assembly of the five aggregates themselves. The assembly of the five aggregates plays as well as a crucial role in the formation, creation and destruction of all things in the universe. So that was the end of that passage. And it seems 
might be a good idea to delve into it a little bit, as it seemed quite rich in in its content and what it was pointing to as well. I would like to just touch upon the the table again because that was a an example of the five aggregates coming into play. And we can see the depth of reality, if that's if that's something that makes sense. Because just looking at that table, perhaps we can be aware of the molecular structure of it. You know, if things are vibrating together, it's holding that solidity together. We can, you know, acknowledge the material, the wood. We can acknowledge the space the table is taking and the space around it, but but here we even go deeper still. We acknowledge the the forest that the wood came from. We acknowledge the the work from the carpenter. You know, other materials, the nails, the screws, you know, the source of that. And so we come to the five aggregates where the fifth one, consciousness is the is the source itself. It's where all of the aggregates arise from. So if we just go through those again, bodily and physical forms, feelings, perceptions, mental functionings. And there's mention here of contemplation on interdependence. And the table is a great example of that as well. You know, we take our body, our physical form, and we can think of you know our ancestors where You know, we can only imagine our great, 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 great grandmother, grandfather, the lineage. And if you were to go back to, you know, trace back all of the thorns, they would all come back to consciousness itself. And feelings, the second one, feelings, they arise within consciousness, feelings, you know, if that wasn't the case when feelings, you know, came and and then they go, you would go with them as well, but something remains, something remains, that is the, the consciousness remains, so feelings arise and within consciousness and they merge back. The same as in bodily forms, arise like a wave and then merged back into that. And perceptions and mental functionings, perhaps we can, you know, group those together. You know, thoughts, ideas, memory, mental fun- mental functions, memory, 
imagination, all of this. It talks about contemplating the interdependence, the interconnectedness, how all of these depend on one another. For example, if there wasn't physical forms, then there would be no feelings within that physical form, no perceptions, no mental functionings. So that's one of those passages that in itself can be read several times to, to get a true understanding of this. So I've just gone over the basics of what I, what I understood myself. But the essence of what we can take away as well is that in some ways we don't have to understand in detail how everything is functioning. But this gives us an idea of the nature of the reality of how it's unfolding how things are connected, the oneness of that. And it says at the end, which sums it up perfectly, the assembly of the five aggregates plays as well a crucial role in the formation, creation and destruction of all things in the universe. Now everything is interconnected in that way. Forms, and that, perhaps that can even be planets as well, galaxies. That's all interconnected. So I'm just going to check the time. Okay. So I will read one more passage um, from this. And this passage is called Liberation from Suffering. People normally cut reality into compartments and so are unable to see the interdependence of all phenomena. To see in all and all in one is to break through the great barrier which narrows one's perception of reality, a barrier which Buddhism calls the attachment to the false view of self. Attachment to the false view of self means belief in the presence of unchanging entities which exist on their own. To break through this false view is to be liberated from every sort of fear, pain and anxiety. When the Bodhisattva 
Kwan the Am, who has been such a source of inspiration of peace, workers in Vietnam, saw into the reality of the five aggregates, giving rise to the emptiness of self. She was liberated from every suffering, pain, doubt and anger. The same would apply to everyone. If we contemplate the five aggregates in a stubborn and diligent way, we too will be liberated from suffering, fear and dread. We have to strip away all the barriers in order to live as part of the universal life. A person isn't some private entity travelling unaffected through time and space as if sealed off from the rest of the world by a thick shell. Living for 100 or for 100,000 lives sealed off like that not only isn't living but it isn't possible. In our lives our present in our lives are present a multitude of phenomena. Just as we ourselves are present in many different phenomena, we are life, and life is limitless. Perhaps one can say that we are only alive when we live the life of the world and so live the sufferings and joys of others. The suffering of others is our own suffering, and the happiness of others is our own happiness. If our lives have no limits, the assembly of the five aggregates which makes up our self also has no limits. The impermanent character of the universe, the, the success and failures of life, can no longer manipulate us. Having seen the reality of interdependence and entered deeply into its reality, nothing can oppress you any longer. You are liberated. Sit in the lotus position observe your breath and ask one who has died for others. Meditation on interdependence is to be practiced constantly, not only while sitting but as an integral part of our involvement in all ordinary tasks. We must learn to see that the person in front of us is our self and that we are that person. We must be able to see the process of inter-origination and interdependence of all events, both those which are happening and those which will happen. So that's the end of, of that passage, which connects with with the previous one we've just read, so I'm glad I continued there. 
perhaps all of the passages in each chapter are connected in some way, but that seems this one seems to really follow from what we what we read and the essence of that was the the true direct experience of the oneness not just a belief or an in, or a thought that yes we are connected we are one but a true it seems like tai has had a true deepening a true witnessing of the oneness and that can only happen when when we understand the true nature of who we are and that true nature of who we are will dissolve will dissolve the thought structures of our bodies of our feelings and thoughts it will almost unravel them and display the truth of who we are where we are not just this you know as as it's mentioned there the an external entity sealed off from everything else which is what the ego the mind the false self in us says you know we are we are who we are we are our name we are this body this is our life so understanding the true nature and it reveals this and this is why the you know pain and suffering can be removed anger can be removed you know anger there needs to be again a subject an object for anger anger needs to be angry at something as it said in the previous chapter thinking about something when you remove the duality you know where what what has anger what can anger be angry against when there is no, when there is that indivisibleness that 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 can't be divided and i feel this can be taken in in our own way so for example when you see another person perhaps in that instance there can be a contemplation of the interdependence perhaps you can just allow yourself to observe without labeling you know because when we see somebody our conditioning you know our labeling will begin okay they are this gender they are they have this hair color they are this race you know they're wearing these clothes which must mean they're this type of person and you can we can always see how deep the conditioning is in us how heavy it is and especially with people we know as well you know we see somebody we know we project the image of that person we don't we don't see who they are in this moment we see the image of this person yes this is my friend 
who's been nice to me in the past who I'm always going to be nice to. Or there's this person here at work who is always rude, who's always, and you've got this image made up of thoughts and experiences and feelings. And it's not to dismiss that, but it's to ensure you're also seeing the truth of this moment, of the nature of who the, who that person is, which means that they're not a person in that sense. There is that to oneness. And I feel there's a huge gap between the talking happening now and the actual direct experiencing of it. But, but at least through this talking, it's a pointer to where we need to go because these words themselves are limited. They won't be able to take you there in the sense they can point to it. So the words we've been reading in that passage can point to the nature, but we have to actually go there in our awareness. We have to actually remove the conditioning of the mind. And in itself, you know, talks about it being a meditation to meditate on the interconnectedness and that itself is almost is almost a, a way of removing the conditioning as well You're, and it's not a figuring out when you when it's mentioned here you know a contemplation it's not the mind figuring out it's it's almost resting the awareness in that notion of, of oneness. So it's almost resting in that vibration, that energy of, of that interconnectedness. So you're almost opening yourself up to receive, to, to have that revealed in, within you. And the barriers mentioned here is the barriers of me and myself, who I am. And even if we look at the, you know, the lotus flower, how open it is. It's just complete openness and perhaps that's something we can, we can envision and we can carry with us. So again, it's not a doing, you know, no, there's no doing here. Even in the meditation of, contempl of contemplation, of interconnectedness, interdependence, there is, it's not a doing. Okay, I better do five minutes of contemplation. It's, an, it's a, it's an, it's a limitless deepening in, into this and experiencing. And it feels, um, perhaps I should <laughs> stop here because uh, it feels like I'm not, uh, you know, I too am learning through reading this. So um, that's, that's my limited understanding, very basic understanding of this. So perhaps for those of you listening have a much deeper understanding. So it's probably best I don't... Uh, 
continue more into this, but hopefully we, together, we've, we've got some nourishment from this. And by reading, this has taken us into, into the now. Or perhaps you've already began the contemplation of the interconnectedness and that too is also taking you deeper. Okay, thank you for joining me for today's episode. As always, I wish you well. And I'll speak to you very soon. Take care.